Hello and welcome to Pump the Inside Podcast by Schwalbe. I'm your host Tobias Morgan and I'm talking here with Schwalbe athletes from different disciplines. From downhill to cross country and from road riding to triathlon. And today I'm talking to Scotty Lochland. The Scotsman from Sterling used to be an EWS racer and then became a presenter at GMBN. After that he decided to do his own thing and started a YouTube channel. How he made the transformation from racing to a media career, you will find out in this episode of Pumped. Hey Scotty, thanks a lot for... yeah for taking the time to join us on the podcast. Where are you right now? I am in Stirling, Scotland. We've had a pre-mixed summer. It's sunny right now. We've had some rain, but life is pretty good, man. We've had some good, dry, fun summer trails, and I've explored more here than I've ever done in my whole life. So there's pros and cons to having been in lockdown and obviously the global pandemic that's going on, but it's been nice to stay home for a little while and do less traveling. Definitely, especially when you're living in a place like you do. Um, so we we got to know each other when we were both still racing EWS. And after that, we rode uh, here and there together. When did you stop racing and why? I stopped racing because basically, oh man, I felt like I never really reached where I'd ever wanted to be or or get to a point in my career that I was really, really happy with. I was putting in a lot of effort and I felt that things were either against me. I'd either have mechanicals at races or the race venues didn't quite suit me. I, I come from a, back, a downhill background and if there is pedaling in the enduro stages, I just, I just could never quite reach that real high level of fitness. I put in effort or I thought I was putting in effort. Maybe, maybe I didn't do it quite right at the time. I, I really have no idea, but um, I always used to think that I could practice much better than I did in racing and racing never really took off. So I raced for the cube action team, which is when I was really introduced to Schwalbe tires, um, and did two full years with them, got to travel around the world, had a great time. And then it kind of tailored off. They offered me a smaller deal, which would have allowed me to race in Europe. But if I was doing it, I really wanted to be committed. I wanted to do the whole thing. And I got a different opportunity and just decided to run with it. And to date, there aren't really any regrets on it. There are definitely times when I see the boys racing in Jewel World Series or Downhill World Cups. So I, I do wish that I was there. And um, yeah, what are you doing today to earn your money? I think this is a question you get asked a lot from maybe parents or older people. But what exactly is your job? <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> so I kind of see myself as like a ambassador for brands. I work with Scott, Shimano, Fox, Schwalbe, GoPro, um, to really name a few, and create content for them. I've also got a YouTube channel. I've built a pretty good following on Instagram as well. So the past few years have been getting to travel around the world, riding what I'd say are some of the best trails anywhere that I've gone. 
and documenting them, telling the story of being there, maybe what the local trails are like, what the local riding scene is like, taking cool photos, taking video stuff. And it's been absolutely epic. Obviously, this year, like we're talking a little bit earlier, is slightly different. But it's been awesome all the same and got to explore more of Scotland than I ever have done before. And do you enjoy more to explore the the trails and the region by your own or did you um, love to go to a venue and race there and experience the country through racing? Oh, it's pretty hard, man. Racing, you're on a quite a tight schedule. You might have a few days here or there, but earlier this year I got to go to Jamaica and we had 10 days. It was kind of a guided trip with single track Jamaica And we were there just to experience the culture, to experience the trails, to really take in as much as we could. And it was really chilled. It was nice vibes. It was easy going. We'd ride every day. You'd have a few beers at the beach. It was way, way more relaxed than racing. <laughs> and so way more of the country than, you know, I probably ever would have. And we were really immersed within the local culture, too. We weren't just you know, in the busy hustle bustle areas where right out in the mountains where, you know, it was like really scaled back to, you know, it was almost like a different world up there where people were really chilled. They didn't need like, you know, the newest technology or, or like flash cars or anything like that. They, they were just happy and humble with what they had right there. And that was amazing to see as well. And, you know, if we were racing, You always stay in quite a nice location. It's always really cool. So it was definitely different. Um, and the experiences I got from racing and what I do now, you know, both of them are awesome. I wouldn't, wouldn't, um, want to swap it or do any other, do it any other way. Yeah. Um, you already told us that you, your job gets you around a lot, but what is the best place you have traveled to? Oh man, that's such a hard question because. <laughs> There's so many places, like, I almost think the trails-wise has probably got to be British Columbia, but experience-wise, I went to Ecuador with Thomas Vanderham on a shoot with, a, like, a tour guiding company called H&I, and it was just, honestly, man, it was so cool. Like, I'd never seen, like, a big mountain like Cotopaxi, and we were riding down it. We rode this one trail, and... I, I've started skiing the last couple of years and the only thing that I can sort of, you know, describe ass is when you ski powder, you're just sinking into the dirt and we were riding on volcanic ash and just sliding our way down and it was so fun. The, the landscape was crazy. The culture was cool. Everyone was welcoming. We went out to this like um, cowboy hut, almost stayed the night there. We cooked on barbecues saw them lassoing cows and oh, it was just a really unique experience and that's probably the best trip but for me like riding wise if I was going on a trip and just wanted to lap loads and loads of trails it would definitely be you know Whistler, Squamish, Pemberton because there's just there's so much stuff there and everyone I follow on social media who lives there it just seems like the whole scene is just blown up so It would probably be the first place I'd go if I could when the, when the pandemic's over and travel is more acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, that both sounds pretty awesome. I mean, on one hand, you have the adventure side and, of course, Whistler and Squamish and British Columbia in, in total has some of the, the best trails in the world, definitely. 
So you live um, where I would like to live. You live in, in Scotland. And Scotland for me is one of the best places um, which suits to my riding style. But what makes biking in Scotland so special? I think what we're lucky to have is a kind of vastness. You know, we're allowed to go anywhere we want within reason and, and being sensible, respecting the land, the landowners, if there's animals grazing or anything like that. I think that's what makes it really special. And a lot of people don't really get out and experience what is there. So a lot of it is unridden. You know, people tend to stay to the more common areas, such as the Tweed Valley or something like that, which, you know, I think you, you probably raced there as well doing the interleaving in Jura World Series. Yep. Back in 2013. Yeah. A lot of people stay there. It, it, it's a really awesome place to ride, but it's not really in any way wild. Um, going up to like the Northwest, sort of, you know, Torridon to me is, is a really special place. The trails are, are vast. You're out on big days. You might see no one at all. You've got like all the aisles. There, there's so much to explore. There's, I've done more this summer than I ever have in my whole life living here. And there's <laughs> still just so, so much more to go and do. You know, I'm constantly looking at maps. I use an app called Commute and I've been planning loads and loads of rides and I'm just trying to get as many as I can done before. Well, the weather's already starting to change. You know, we're, we're into September, which is crazy and summer's coming to an end, but I'm hoping that we have a few few good days left where we can head north and get some great days on the bike yeah um Torin is also for me one of the uh the really good places in in scotland and so much around but but you also have a lot of man-built trail centers which are amazing for uh for beginners but also for us it's it's super fun but why is this region still so unknown in the rest of europe I think we're that a little bit further north. It's it's not the easiest place to get to. You have to fly here or take a ferry, and then you still have a pretty long drive. And I think it, it puts a lot of people off. We probably have, I mean, I think some of the best scenery in the world. And everyone who looks at pictures and sees pictures, they probably agree with it. But, you know, whether people actually come here or take the effort to come here it's kind of on them and you know we have the fort william world cup which is sort of i guess brought to the forefront for a lot of people mountain biking in scotland and it's also broadened the horizon wider in scotland and got more people coming to view the sport and appreciate it and stuff but yeah it's still vastly unexplored and i mean even in lockdown i've seen more people riding the local trails than i ever have done before and Bike sales here, there's been a massive boom of it. There's more people riding than ever. And yeah, it's, it's amazing to see that. That's, that's what you want. That's what everyone who, who works in the industry wants as well. I probably think that, you know, product wise, brands keep up, can't keep up with the demand. Yeah. Um, and what, what's your favorite region in Scotland? Probably the Northwest. Like you said, Torridon. It's such a cool, unique place. Like you start riding at the end there and you finish there. You can have a pint. You can have local seafood, local steak. It's just really, really good. It's just like an all-round experience. 
and it's not a crazy, you know, challenging ride. You're on the bike for maybe four and a half, five hours. And in that time, you go through so many different experiences, different terrain. There's probably times if it's your first time, you're like, man, I can't do this. I'm struggling or, or whatever. But yeah, it's just a really, really fun area to experience and to see. And you're out there. And if you choose at the right time, there'll be stag, there'll be wildlife. It's awesome. That's the only way I can describe it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So that sounds really, really good. Um, beside the racing, you have studied mechanical engineer. Does this, uh, does this help you to adjust your bike perfectly? Or did you get a lot of help and learn this? So did you get help from a bike shop or from your suspension sponsors or did you learn everything by yourself it's kind of mainly i'd say self-taught the biggest eye-opener that i ever had was the first year that i was racing with cube we went to finale for a team camp and i got to work with the tech guys mark fitzsimmons um And we set up suspension. We spent a full day testing, doing laps of the, the Madonna Trail there. And that was probably the biggest change for me. It like opened my eyes as to doing multiple back-to-back -back runs, making adjustments, seeing what worked, what didn't work. And from there, I've just kind of taken what I learned over time through racing, working with the engineers, and put that into my own ways i guess having the engineering background was a good way to understand what they were talking about how the bike was working for me to think how the bike was working um plus it was like really you know like i really cared about how the bike was performing and wanted to get the best out of it so i kind of made a, a bigger effort almost to spend time actually fine-tuning it and working with like fox and schwalbe testing suspension and tires was was something that really interested me um and it still does i enjoy it I enjoy doing product feedback and i don't do as much as i'd probably like to do but when the opportunity is there i'll always take it and i'm always thinking about how things can be better or you know like taking a lot of what i've learned through engineering into like what i'm doing now which is kind of more marketing based almost so yeah. kind of combining what I do now with what I did in the past and and it's good fun kind of yeah. path, paved a new path for myself um, so you have tested the new Kakarses for Schwalbe and made a, a vlog about them which can be viewed on your YouTube channel what is your favorite yeah. tire combination um Up until the decade of Super, it had been a Magic Mary up front, hands down from the rear. But with the new or the reintroduction of the Big Betty, it's a Big Betty on the rear, um, Magic Mary up front, Super Trail is a front tire, Super Gravity is a rear tire. Um, that's kind of my, my favorite setup. Uh, tubeless, of course, 22 PSI up front, 26 PSI in the rear, which is kind of my go to. And Pretty much now, all my bikes are 29 inch as well. Mm -hmm. um, those who follow you on Instagram know that you're not only riding your enduro bike, you're riding pretty much uh, all other types of bikes, from e-bike to gravel bike. What is your favorite bike 
if it's not the enduro bike and when do you use it i probably go for oh man that's pretty hard like during during lockdown i really really enjoyed riding the gravel bike and and the um, and the cross country bike because we live a little bit out so we can't just ride to the trails um so I started doing a lot more gravel and I actually really enjoyed it. It was so good for getting fit. But on the other hand, I, I love riding my spark, which is like a 120 millimeter, I guess what you call it, like a down country bike now. Everyone's calling them. But to <laughs> me, it's kind of like the original cross country bike. Um, mm -hmm. It's just super fun. It's lightweight. It's really capable. You can throw it around. So if I wasn't riding my enduro bike, I'd probably ride that and go out for like a, a pretty solid day on it. But this year I also got a hardtail for the first time in, I don't know, probably 10 years. And I've been doing some quite big days on that and really enjoying it too. So it's pretty hard. I, I like riding all disciplines. Um, E-bike's fun as well. It, it's so mood dependent, man. Like depending what I want to go and ride and where I want to go and, you know, the escape that I want to have. Like if I want to go into properly into the mountains and not see anyone then the e-bike such an awesome opportunity like such an awesome bike for that because you can just get out there so quickly you can you can escape like the busyness of like where the local low down trails might be and you can head up high um with less effort faster and i've been doing routes where i'd never normally go because it's like wet boggy and yeah it's been really really good fun so yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't pin down like one specific bike. The bike that unfortunately I don't get to ride the most is my gambler, the downhill bike. <laughs> um, there's just not many places here that I want to go and ride it. Um, I build primarily for bike park stuff, and then obviously this year I haven't been able to travel. So would love to do some more downhill stuff, if anything. Yeah. So it's it's been a while since your last EWS race. But are you still watching EWS? Yeah, I still follow along. I follow along to see how, like, a lot of the people that I competed with at the time did, see how, like, the local riders like Mark Scott did. I was teammates with Greg Callahan, and I always like to do see how he does and have a quick chat with him and, and see how the races are going. But I don't I don't follow quite so much as I, as I did. Year one, year two, after... After having stopped racing, I followed it way more, and I was like, "Oh man, like I'm seeing such and such is doing well. Like, oh, I wish I could be there, or whatever." Like, <laughs> but now, now I just now I just follow along for the fun of it to see see what's happening and see what new parts are. You know, there's quite a lot of tech that people are testing and stuff, and always curious to see bike setup changes, what people are doing, and it, it is such a great place to test new product and. Because those bikes are getting a hammering on on the stages, it's it's probably the hardest way that they can be ridden. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do you think is the biggest uh, change since you left? The biggest change, I don't know. I think when we were when we were racing, I'd probably say that this the days were longer. And tougher whereas now it doesn't look quite so long i don't know i could, I could be wrong there but 
there was a there was a period the second year that I was racing, which was year three of the EWS, where I wasn't really enjoying the stages anymore. There were the the Scottish one especially was really physical. There was like a twenty minute stage, and in that twenty minutes, there was probably no more than four or five hundred meters of actual descending, and a lot of it was pedaling and hard work. And for me, like I I love riding. Like, I loved racing downhill. I loved riding downhill. And I switched over to enduro because I wanted to ride long descents that were, like, rugged and raw and not bike park stuff. And I felt like it's probably changed again, but there was a little time where it kind of was in a funny middle ground where it would be, like, bike park section into a climb, into a descent, into a climb. And they were just making the most out of it, whereas now I think it looks like it's kind of reformed to be more downhill focused with less climbing the stages. Yeah, I mean, especially the the Scotland one was always pretty physical because you had to transfer from Peebles to the trails on uh, on pavement road and then back after a long day on the on the bike. That was pretty tough on on your body. Or on my body, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely mine too. It was a it was physical days. I'd say like you know multiple days on the bike because you'd have two days practicing, so you'd be pedaling for two days. There was no shuttling, and then it'd be two days racing again of no shuffling. And there were there are big days on the bike, and I don't think there was a year where it was particularly good weather. And and the weather is wearing on you probably more than you realize, especially pedaling heavy wet gear and muddy bikes all the time you know yeah. everything's working against you and i definitely don't miss that element i wouldn't say that i'm a, a fair weather cyclist in any way now but um i i definitely check the weather and we go ah you know what boys let's not do a big mountain ride this weekend because it is looking <laughs> wet and wild whereas back then i'd probably have had to force myself and get up yeah And um, then you stopped racing and, yeah, you become an, let's say, influencer. But how did, did you get from racing into the job as a presenter or as an influencer? It was a pretty unique opportunity, really. Um, GMBN actually approached me and and they asked me at the time. They were, they were still relatively small. They had about 150,000 subscribers on YouTube which, you know, is still massive, but compared to where they are now, it isn't much. And the racing for me was, I wasn't, like I said earlier, I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And it was like a unique opportunity. It was new. I enjoyed doing social media stuff. And it just, it just seemed like too good an opportunity to say no to. Like the first few videos I did with them were, they were so bad, man. <laughs> like I, I watch them back every so often and I'm just like, God, it's like, it's cringeworthy, you know, but you like learn. I didn't get any training or anything. It was all self-taught. I used to go, I was staying in Bath for like a six week kind of internship thing and I used to go home and I'd, I'd like practice in front of the mirror, almost presenting to try and get better. I'd watch <laughs> people to try and like see what I liked or, you know, see what I didn't like and, and The, it was almost like racing in a way because the progression curve of presenting was really, really high. So it made me interested in getting better and better. And, you know, and that's kind of what I did. I just, 
I ran with it for about a year and a half. Um, GMBN are based down in Bath and, you know, my family, my friends, I've lived in Scotland my whole life and it just didn't make me happy being down there. I enjoyed the job, but, you know, ultimately knew that I wanted to be back up here and it kind of just came to an end because I was coming up here every weekend, flying back and forth from Bristol to here and it just, it became too tedious. And I had to make a decision and decided that I wanted to try on my own. I was still, a, that was about three and a half years ago. It was still quite new to a lot of people and brands of what I wanted to do. Um, I approached a few brands in the industry. I already had contacts from racing. Scott were one of the first ones to jump on board and, and you know, almost be like, we're definitely interested. It sounds like what you're going to do could be really cool. They they gambled on me and, yeah, went with it, really. And now we're basically three years down the line. I have no regrets and have got some incredible memories and new friends all over the world from riding bikes. So you come from a racing background you moved to presenting then you started your own thing with vlogging and um and instagram what are your plans for the upcoming years do you want to expand the vlogging or do you want to do something totally different well this year before uh pre-coronavirus the goal was to was to really get more into like high-end filmmaking and spend more time on do episodes but then be a little bit smaller more packed with action and really really cool storytelling but that obviously never really came to light in the way that i wanted it to um so that's kind of the plan moving forward still we'll see what happens and whether we have to adapt it and and how we do it but i've been enjoying like filming i've got more into photography this year like i think what a lot of people are always amazed at is Three years ago when I started, I'd, I'd never even touched a camera before. I, I had no idea. So I had to learn from the very beginning of everything. And probably the best way I learned was going on on multiple media shoots to do like, well, we did like a Schwalbe launch in Israel and I did a few Shimano pieces. And every time I'd pick up something new, whether it be camera setup or how to take a better photo or or something, and I'd come away with, learning all the time I'd watch YouTube videos I'd teach myself I'd be like oh how did they do this to make that look like that or whatever and it was <laughs> it was just a really it was a it was a good way to get some you know basic learning ticked off pretty quick and now I feel pretty competent but I'm always I still am always learning especially on the editing side of things and how to do it quicker more effective or make transitions um so it's been cool. It's definitely been a journey. And yeah, who knows where I'll go next? Who knows what will happen, you know, this time next year, if global travel will be back on or if we'll be here while well, you're in Germany, I'm in Scotland. And, you know, hopefully I can ride with friends around the world again pretty soon. Yeah. So what will be your first project or the project you're most looking forward to when the restriction getting lifted a little bit and traveling gets more um yeah gets traveling gets better and more easy um 
Oh, I had a few ideas of going to. I really want to go back to Norway. I went there a couple of years ago, and one of my best mates from uni um, lives there now with his fiance. I went and did like a really quick trip last year, unplanned, no idea where we're going, and it worked out to be just a really fun, fun times and good memories. So we wanted to go back and spend more time exploring around there and heading further north. And and um, I think that would be what I'd really like to do. I always got to the Alps in the summer. I've got a partnership with Salback, and they've got good trails, enjoy riding it, and then, you know, all around Europe, there's good stuff to ride. There's always multiple adventures, places to ride, new trails, must-ride trails, etc., etc. So I think just all kind of that, I'm just looking forward to being able to get back out riding. And, you know, I was talking about it earlier, downhill bikes and stuff. I'd like to ride them again and, and actually put some time in on them because it's something that I've not really done in the past few years. And I would like to do it again. It's a good feeling. There's something about having a downhill bike and just going flat out on it and hitting stuff really, really hard. Um, there's like, it just doesn't give. It just goes. You point <laughs> it in a straight line and it tracks and goes. You know, it's so, so fun. <laughs> so that sounds pretty fun. And uh, we definitely wish you all the best that all your plans uh, work out. Hopefully next year we will we all meet again in the Alps or wherever. So, Scotty, thanks a lot for your time. And, yeah, hopefully we will see us again soon. Yeah, man. Hopefully we can catch a ride real soon and do some nice high alpine stuff. Share a high five, take an apple strudel, grab a beer, and share, <laughs> some, uh, share some really good rides. Perfect. That sounds good. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.